generation dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus-y podcast about race and faith from the perspective of a black girl, an Asian guy, and a white guy too. I'm Andrew. I use he, him pronouns. I'm Asian. I'm Bethany. I use she, her pronouns, and I am black. I'm Chris. I use he, him pronouns, and I'm white. We like to start off our podcast by talking about stuff we want to correct or mention from previous episodes. Um, one thing... I want to mention about the previous episode just because I'm in the You're process the only of one that's heard. Yeah, I'm the only one who's heard it. <laughs> um, we, um, there, there, we had a lot of, we were talking a lot about like when to take the Bible literally and when not to take the Bible literally. And we touch on the idea that the Bible is, is made up of different genres. Um, but I think one of the things we probably should have made explicit is the idea that like when we talk about approaching the Bible in its context, we mean reading the different books in terms of the genres that they were written as, mm-hmm. you know, like reading poetry as poetry, reading yeah. history as history, um, reading, you know, a creation poem as a creation poem or a letter as a letter. We're not treating the entire thing as poetry. We're not treating the entire thing as like a history textbook. But we're Mm -hmm. trying to approach it on its own terms and see what it has to say to us and see, uh, you know, what we have to say to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So. um, I think I have a correction. I think I was trying to reference the books of the Bible that John wrote. Like at one point I talked about Revelation, mm -hmm. but I couldn't actually come up with who the apostle was that I was thinking of. Um, and I couldn't remember the books that John wrote other than John. So I think I was referencing John in that episode. Um, You're talking about John the Revelator? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted to correct. At the time, I remember saying, um, I can't remember who it was. And I think I was thinking of John. So I just wanted to clear up who I was thinking of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it actually if that actually made it to the episode. I'm though. trying to remember if you actually... I don't think you forgot who wrote Revelations. You just talked about how crazy Revelation was. Uh, okay. And it is a crazy book. But again, it there is a genre called apocalyptic literature. Mm-hmm. There's like a mm-hmm. first century genre that Revelation belongs in. Mm-hmm. And unless like... If you don't know the genre of apocalyptic literature and just read that book as like... Uh, a future history textbook you're going to be very conf- you're going to have very strange right. ideas <laughs> and nightmares <laughs> uh-huh yes yeah i still have those I, nightmares i confess i don't have much of a handle on revelation contextually <laughs> revelations mm-hmm. is trippy af yeah that's like the best way to describe it it's true i think i i love revelation i think it's a deeply i'm not surprised <laughs> i love i love how weird it is <laughs> um so weird yeah, I love that weird shit. Give give it, give me more of that. Just the David Lynch <laughs> stuff. Love it. Um, um, we also like to hear what people are saying back to us. This uh, letter references um, something that we said all the way ba- way back in our election episode, where we were kicking around the idea of Jesus is King as a motto or a slogan, and thinking about the idea of how. Jesus is king or Jesus is Lord in its political context of the first century 
was like a deeply radical thing to say because you weren't supposed to acknowledge that anybody except Caesar is Lord. Uh, so we were saying how the how saying Jesus is his king has been kind of depoliticized. Also, anytime I hear Jesus is king, I think about Kanye now. He's going nice. to ruin that for me. Um, that was a really weird concert. The Yeezus mm-hmm. tour. I won tickets. It was real trippy. You won tickets? That's crazy. I did. I won tickets in 2014 and I went to see the show in Atlantic City. And I remember at one point it got so trippy. This older black couple walked out. They were like, all right, so-and-so, I've had enough of this. And the husband was like, I have too. And they walked out. And they just out. walked out. They walked out the concert. <laughs> it was it was really trippy though. Okay, yeah. I feel like if you're, if you're him, that'd be a win. <laughs> Probably. Like, at one point, he had a demon come out and try to, like, battle Jesus. This weird white Jesus that came out throughout the show. <laughs> so, it was like, man, Kanye's doing a lot of drugs. <laughs> yes. Or maybe he's off his drugs. That's the problem. Yeah. I remember... <laughs> I'll never forget sitting in there watching it like this is uh, I'm not quite I'm not quite connecting. Right. Um, So in order to kind of uh, reset our associations of a of a similar statement to Jesus is King, we we um, we asked people we 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 asked if anyone had any kind of ideas about other ways or kind of um, recontextualizing that phrase so that it would make sense today. So it's just as radical, just as political. Um, and, um, one of our, uh, I'm just going to say one of our pastors wrote in, they're, they're relatively public figures with their own podcast. Uh, <laughs> Ben White, who loves a poetry challenge, um, uh, wrote in. It's funny because uh-huh. this really wasn't a poetry challenge, but he said it was. I mean, he calls it a poetry challenge and I'm just kind of taking his word for it. We didn't call <laughs> I'm it that. taking it that for his word too, because <laughs> right. we did not for a poetry challenge but he was like sounds like a poetry challenge Uh to me (laughs) yeah so ben basically (laughs) mentions how uh he 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 doesn't think we need to add to jesus's words um and he also you know mentions how like jesus's king was incredibly political in its context um let me let me read some one of his key sentences here Jesus goes through the death and misery to transcend it. He does not go around it, but he does get through to the other side and losing and in losing claims absolute victory. So he mentions how we need a both and phrase and that that can't exclude organizing. Um, So Ben's attempt at a kind of Jesus is king type phrase for 2021 is Jesus kills death. And if your safety relies on death, your safety has to die. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? I like it. I think it's poetic like mm-hmm. Ben is. Mm-hmm. I don't think it quite taps into the political nature that we were looking for. Mm-hmm. So I think right. Ben interpreted what we were saying as like coming up with like a beautiful phrase that embodies who Jesus is. And I think we were talking about um, Jesus as king strictly as a really political thing. And that's why we had mentioned like Jesus says that Black Lives Matter or mm-hmm. um Jesus says nobody is illegal because mm-hmm. those are such big political issues right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like, yeah, I like the poetic nature of the phrase that he came Definitely. up with. Yeah. Uh, ben does acknowledge that the original, that Jesus is king is supposed to be, is a political statement. And Ben mm-hmm. does mention how he's trying to find a phrase that is a both and phrase. It does highlight how difficult it is 
Uh, yeah. And I guess you could say, like, if you depend on death and, like, racist systems lead to death, um, systems, like, um, that keep people from coming to America and, like, escaping persecution in their countries mm-hmm. leads to death. So I guess his, his phrase actually does encompass it if you can connect mm-hmm. the ways uh, these systems lead to death. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, you can definitely interpret it in a political way, considering so much of this country's systems do rely on death, whether we're talking mm-hmm. literally like the death penalty or other right. things that lead to death, like the prison industrial complex or police brutality yep. or stuff like yeah. that. I, I guess the problem is like the people that support these systems don't think of themselves as being pro-death. No, they don't. Yeah. Right. So they might not be convicted when we say something like that, but maybe they should be. Um, they should be. They definitely should be. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, no, yeah. maybe it's about it. <laughs> yeah. So what we wanted to talk about today was the idea of prayer and spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices. But I don't know. Chris, you want to help me with this? How do you want to frame this? Yeah. Um, I was thinking of like, what, what, what does that even mean? But I think... I want to jump into this like right from the gate. We've all we've all grown up in church, um, and our our church has definitely had like emphasis on different spiritual practices. And I thought that'd actually be the best place to start. Like, how were you introduced to spiritual disciplines, and what were mm. your earliest memories of them? So my instinct is to talk about how the black evangelical church was so fucking fat phobic in the nineties. Some mm. of the first. Um, spiritual disciplines that I was introduced to was fasting, but it was never presented in this way of like, um, like when I fast and I'm actually not able to, I've had to face that I really can't fast. It triggers my eating disorder. Like I try and pretend that I'm using it like a spiritual discipline, but uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, it sends me reeling. But anyways, what I have always um, done when I do fast is every time I feel a hunger pain, I ask God for support or I ask God to be my sustenance, right? Like Mm. I think of the need for food to be an opportunity to pray and be met by God, to like really see how God can meet my needs. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was always presented as like, get yourself healthy and you need to lose weight. God, like God wants you to be thinner, Like I can, my dad's always been a big guy and I can remember so many times people from my church, like berating him for his weight as if God wanted him to lose weight Mm. (laughs) or like God wanted him. I can remember one woman saying something, um, (laughs) my dad's so sarcastic, but I remember one woman saying something to the effect of sugar is a demon. And my dad was like, well, it's not my demon. I like savory stuff. That's why I have high blood pressure. <laughs> like, like, he's immediately back yeah. on it. Um, and salt so, yeah. in the Bible, so. <laughs> but it's like, it's so interesting. The black church was so fat phobic. And I mm. think that was rooted in white supremacy. Because like, like the African body, um, fatness is viewed, viewed as beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Like it shows that like you have money and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. in America, I think because our beauty standard is whiteness, mm-hmm. that like black folks oftentimes are comparing themselves to like white body standards in a way that makes us kind of like inherently hate our bodies. And mm-hmm. I think that shows up in, in the black church emphasis on fast to lose weight, not necessarily to get closer to God. Like the discipline's emphasis is disciplining your eating habits, not disciplining Mm. your spiritual habits. 
Hmm. That is so interesting. I never, do do you think that's common in the black church? Yes. I've talked to other black women about it. Other, like, plus size, our friend Devon that was on Mm -hmm. the podcast for the Black Girls episode, me and her have had many conversations about that. Mm. Yeah. I don't remember fasting ever being emphasized in church when I was growing up. The idea Mm -hmm. of any kind of spiritual practice wasn't really emphasized besides uh, just prayer. And even then, the the idea is spontaneous prayer. Um, Hmm. Like, Yeah, like... There would be like, I mean, obviously you would pray before you ate and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm, t- but I'm, when I'm talking about spontaneous prayer, I mean, praying and then just praying in a conversational way and coming up with it all on from the, from like, from the top of your head. So like mm. you don't recite any prayers. It's not liturgical prayer. Um, it's not responsive prayer. It's mm. not even meditative prayer where you sit quietly. It's, it's like the only kind of prayer I remember growing up is like praying out loud to god and just coming coming up with it uh, off the top of your head also i grew up a lot of with mm. a lot of charismatics so i guess i also like there was also a lot of praying in tongues involved mm-hmm. yeah as 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 usual andrew i feel like you and i had very similar um experiences the thing the thing that came to the top of my mind was um speaking in tongues like that mm-hmm. was a really important thing in our church, that was like a that was an important indication of your of your spiritual walk is that you had a a, a prayer language. Yeah. Um, and uh, like a lot of our a lot of our worship services were devoted to these portions, like like you're talking about, with like like um, prayers off the cuff. A lot of people praying in tongues, and then someone interpreting those tongues, mm-hmm. which like is um, is a practice that Paul outlines in in some of his writing um i don't speak in tongues um i i definitely prayed for the gift a lot when i was a kid because it's kind of this marker of like your 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 faith oh Uh, you know Uh uh-huh and how did you how, how did you feel not having the ability to speak in tongues um yeah i i i felt a little bit of shame about that Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Pentecostal church is structured that way, that if you don't yeah. speak in tongues, that you're kind of shamed for it. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely, I have definitely encountered churches where uh, the idea is there, there might be something wrong with you if you can't speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's sort of a, there's sort of a Pentecost, like, like there's a, there's sort of like a Pentecostal interview right like to, to like tell how pentecostal you are and that's definitely one of the questions another pentecostal will ask you is if you speak in tongues um it's pretty wild I, I like fasting was a big one too like um we had you know we'd have like week-long conferences um where pastors like that were all part of our church but like like missionally all over the place would like come and preach there'd be a different preacher each night and and often a portion of that was like um people were encouraged to fast throughout the week mm-hmm. um i've i never did i was a kid so i like i got i got to be exempt from that but my parents definitely did at, at different times uh-huh. um they fasted yeah and it's interesting to, to hear beth and your experience with it because i don't remember it coming up as um I, I I do feel like so many of these traditions and exercises had a 
a whiff of obligation to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember the framing in my house, at least, being around gluttony. I wouldn't say it was in my house, but it was certainly coming from the pulpit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I mean, like, what we've what we've managed to do so far is um, introduce the worst of the things that we've experienced. Um, how does that how does that leave you for for spiritual practices and disciplines now? I think I've had to um, readjust my relationship with spiritual practices. Like we did talk about the worst of the spiritual practices, but there are some like spiritual traditions in my family that I think are really beautiful, but don't work for me personally. Like um, my grandfather used to wake up at 5 a.m. and pray for an hour. Um, And growing up, my mother would do Mm -hmm. the same thing. And I think that's really beautiful to like Mm -hmm. wake up before everybody else when the like house is most still and to connect Mm -hmm. with God. Like, I think that's really beautiful, but it doesn't work for me. And I think for a while I felt like I wasn't actually participating in a spiritual discipline if I didn't do it these really, really hard ways. And I Mm. do think spiritual discipline should tug at you um, or be uncomfortable. But if they're uncomfortable to the point that you're not going to do it at all, you might want to like readjust. So Mm. like I pray at night. um, And I've also like been open to the fact that certain spiritual disciplines might not actually be the way that I connect with God. Like I mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier um, with fasting, I'm actually not taking care of myself in the ways that I fast. Mm -hmm. So I'm not taking care of my relationship with God if I'm not taking care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. So fasting doesn't work for you. Yeah. Yeah. There's like this push Mm -hmm. and pull between what are traditional Christian spiritual disciplines and what actually works for me as an individual. Yeah, I I hear that. I mean, I I'm in a weird place right now because I'm thinking about how like the idea of intensely personal and spontaneous prayer where you're talking to God as if God is a friend mm-hmm. uh was part of my upbringing. To some extent, I think mm-hmm. that was really helpful and really biblical because Jesus calls upon his followers to talk to God the way children talk to their parents mm-hmm. and says that God will listen. He's trying to encourage that spirit of generosity, that idea of God gives you the grace to reach you where you are. It's okay, is what Jesus is basically is, is emphasizing, like in Matthews chapter four through six. So like, I, I do remember like being with my mom as a little kid and driving around the parking lot at the mall, like in the passenger seat. And my mom is like, we can't find a parking spot. Like when we're looking for a parking spot, and she's like, pray for a parking spot. And I'm like, dear Jesus, please give us a parking spot. And then we... <laughs> And we'd find a parking spot and she'd be like, look at that. It works. And I'd be like, wow, prayer does work. Um, Which is such a like kind of sweet and problematic way of introducing somebody to prayer. Totally. Um, And like, I I find that as I, as I grow up, as I've gotten older on one level, I can't help but spontaneously ask God for things. Just be Mm -hmm. like, please God. (laughs) <laughs> on another level, like for, uh, on another level, like uh, that impulse to ask God for things is almost entirely unconscious. Like I if would I say mm, the same for me, yeah, yeah. like consciously, I it's hard for me to ask God for things because I'm afraid of being disappointed a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try. So like I, it's hard for me. So like some people are able to like sit down with a list of people that they're praying for, and like. <laughs> 
work through this list and be like, God, help this person with their job hunting, help this person with whatever. Like, I, w- I, I don't think I could do that just because, like, I feel like I would look at that list and I would just be depressed because I would be like, here's a list of stuff where God is going to disappoint me. That's kind of how I feel. <laughs> That's so interesting. I laughed because I felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Have you mm-hmm. been um, disappointed by God that many times you feel like? I just feel like I just, well, first of all, this has been just an incredibly uh, like d- difficult year emotionally for me. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, it surprises me, my reaction to like, my reaction to catastrophe is interesting to me because I think for some people, catastrophe make, like brings them closer to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think what I'm learning about myself this year is like, for me, I might be one of those people where catastrophe just makes me feel like God is dead. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, and it's hard for me to talk to God in the face of so much like mm-hmm. catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And I know intellectually, like there are ways that, that spirituality has of explaining suffering. There are ways that different faiths, including ours explains why prayers don't get answered, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but just like where I am right now, those ways of explaining God's failure to act don't really satisfy me a lot of the time. It's mm-hmm. making me sad. So, right. so thanks for leading us through the dis- discussion, Chris. I don't think I'm yeah. equipped for it right now. Yeah. No, I, the, but actually like when, when you sort of like introduced this to me earlier, I, mm-hmm. I don't think I was prepared either um, for the realities of a discussion about prayer. If we're all going to be honest, like really entails. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, this is, part of the like ongoing practice of following the way we're following is it's Mm -hmm. like it's up and it's down Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and we we don't have to be duplicitous about that Mm -hmm. like we actually can be honest about the real struggle having a discipline and having a faith actually is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um I was I I've been thinking about what you've been talking about Andrew with like the the conversational style you're introduced to. Mm-hmm. I I f- I feel for myself that that is probably the best introduction to prayer and like the the best ongoing practice. Um one of my favorite moments in our in our cell groups um is the portion where we where we share our our prayers. Um, specifically the part where we were like, generally someone is asked to pray for everyone. And mm-hmm. it like, a lot of people are like, a, a lot of people do this with a lot of, um, reservation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's not, it's actually not easy to like have that conversation with. So with wait, God what do you guys do? Form. One person prays for everybody. What happens yeah. at the end? Uh, okay. Yeah. And what does that person volunteer or- Draw um, the short straw. Well, <laughs> if generally how it goes um, is a request goes out that someone prays, and either someone jumps in and volunteers, or like gets quiet for too long, and the the leader will be like, "So and so, will you pray?" And that and they could say no. Like it, mm-hmm. it's it's I love it's, I love I can perfectly envision what you're describing because that happens you know, in my they, they can't group. say no, and even if they don't want to, they don't most of the time 
Um, uh-huh. And I think that's all right. Like, I actually, mm-hmm. like, the practice mm. of, of different kinds Damn. of prayers, even the ones that make right. you uncomfortable, I think that's all right. And I also think the cell's a good container to have that discomfort. Mm-hmm. I do, too. What, one of my favorite moments, I mean, uh, this the, the part where you pray for each other, one person prays, has always been mm-hmm. um, part of any kind of thing, any kind of whatever, Bible study group. We call them cell yeah, groups. Yeah. All right, yeah. but one one thing that has always stood out to me <laughs> one 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 thing that I'll never forget is uh, once I was in a in a in a group I don't know this must have been a few years ago, the leader was like um, they turned to somebody in the group and they were like would you like to pray for us, and then we all kind of settled down and got ready and they were like I really don't. <laughs> Yeah. Really I would have been so right annoyed now. as the cell leader. I would have yeah. been like, why'd you wait so long? <laughs> but the cell leader, and I don't remember who it was because this was so great. The cell leader didn't skip a beat. He, he was he was just like, all right. And then just like just went ahead with prayer. And it was like, I, that was like both the freedom of to be able mm-hmm. to be like, can't do it right now. Can't can't talk mm-hmm. to God. Yeah. And also just be like, you know, that's okay. We'll just, let, let's keep, go, let's let's keep going keep with this thing. Going. Absolutely. Uh, was Absolutely. was really significant to me. Um, I kind of want to talk more about what you were saying earlier, Andrew, about mm-hmm. like how catastrophe. Um, yeah, absolutely. Separates okay. you from God. Mm-hmm. Do you? So I remember at one point during the pandemic, I was like, I am choosing not to believe in God today. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I like consciously was an atheist for a day. <laughs> Yeah. And it just didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And like, I started thinking about um, relating to God in the way that you relate to a marriage that like you commit to remarrying that person in every iteration of who they are throughout your mm-hmm. marriage, because mm-hmm. people change. And I don't necessarily think that God changes, but I think as I go through different struggles and have different experiences and I change, I then have to recommit to God. But I think I always have the foundational commitment of like knowing that God is real for me Mm. um, and choosing and choosing God every time, just figuring out a different way to choose God. Um, So I guess I'm wondering for you, do some things feel too big to choose God for? I guess I'm asking, I'm almost asking you, like, are you really a Christian, sir? But like, I'm wondering what comes up for you. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is what stops me from, uh, this is what stops me from no matter how hard I want to. And I do want to Mm -hmm. many, a lot of the time, but the thing that stops me from letting go of God or letting go of even that unconscious impulse to be like, God, please just, you know, Sometimes that's just my prayer. God, mm-hmm. please. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes the only thing that stops me from not doing that from the only thing that stops me from just giving up everything, including that God, please prayer is the fact that um, sometimes it feels like it just in the, in the darkest part of that despair, uh, Jesus is there. Mm-hmm. I feel like Jesus like can say to me, like God sucks sometimes, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because Jesus knows what that God knows what it feels like to be separated from God. Mm -hmm. Like the, the idea of being in complete despair where all you can say Mm -hmm. is where the fuck are you? God. And you have to like bargain with him for it. Yes. Like when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, right. And it's always stood out to me how that scripture says that his, um, 
blood or his uh, sweat was like blood, sweat right? Blood. Like right. He was mm-hmm. so, uh-huh. um, he was just so overwhelmed mm-hmm. with his emotions and fear and yeah. anxiousness mm-hmm. about what's going to happen. That like even his sweat was kind of praying and crying right. out. It was thickened. Yes. Um, and I always think it's funny how Jesus was like, listen, God. You might have been playing. So what uh-huh. I'm going so to do here is I'm going to put this cup down and you mm-hmm. go ahead and move it to the left a little bit uh-huh. if you were playing like I think you were playing. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. He like, like right. that feels If there's so, any other way. Right. If yeah. there's any way yeah. that we can work this out, let's go ahead, yeah. me and you, let's work it out. All right. It really, like Jesus was so desperate and felt so separated from God yes. that he was like, bargaining with him yeah and even like yeah. jesus is on the cross and he's I, like biblical scholars are will be like oh the implication of jesus quoting psalm 22 is that psalm 22 ends in victory you know begins my god my god why have you forsaken me but it really but it ends with a prayer of of salvation and maybe that jesus i i honestly think that jesus is just is jesus when god jesus says my god my god why have you forsaken me He's, I think he meant that shit. I think he meant it. I yeah. think the reason he quoted the psalm because it yeah. was like he was soaked in that biblical culture. So he reaches for the closest words that connect to his despair. And that's how mm-hmm. he's feeling in that moment. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, I do feel far from God. Right. But the but the kind of the frustrating fucking part of Christianity is that God is is with you in your in your in the fact that you feel far from God. Mm-hmm. So even then you can't escape from him even just like it says in psalm 39 no matter where i go like if i fly on the wings of morning if i hide in the darkness you're still there um and like on one level that's comforting on another level it's annoying it's very annoying that is that is the frustrating thing about christian faith and the reason that i can't quite let it go uh even though like yeah where i am right now is uh, prayer is is hard for me, mm-hmm. and asking God for anything is hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you imagine a life where your instinct wasn't to call out to God, even if it is just God, please? I can't. Like that's yeah. yeah. Like that's always my instinct. Having mm-hmm. grown up in church, when I'm scared, I'm just like Jesus. Like I forgot I had my window open yesterday, and I had mm-hmm. my door cracked. Uh, my bedroom door cracked and I live alone. So uh-huh. my door slammed. Oh, dang. And my instinct was like, <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> like, <laughs> without hesitation, I was like, let me call his name because somebody's in my house. Yeah. Like, yes. But that just is like my instinct is to mm-hmm. like call out to God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so somehow- I can't imagine a life where that didn't happen. Somehow we learned among among like all the um, bad teachings that like we can stick with God like mm-hmm. even if like we feel unstuck <laughs> or like or we like we don't feel really connected to Him, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of wild. It is kind of wild. Let me tell this story. This yeah. is has I don't know how much how much this is connected. I am skeptical of people who are still in the charismatic world just because of the stuff that we were describing in terms of like the weird expectations about speaking in tongues mm-hmm. or like the weird expectations for miracles or even like some prosperity adjacent stuff like thinking God will make you rich or thinking God will make you thin. I, I like like stuff like that totally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I'm also skeptical of like – I'm also kind of skeptical of people for whom prayer is like too dry uh, 
and like don't ask God for anything. Because I feel like if you never ask God, if you never feel the impulse to ask God for anything, um, my image of you is like you probably live in Bryn Mawr and go to a Presbyterian church. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, you're probably white. Uh, like you probably have a pretty good existence where right. you can just be like, I, I pray to the God within myself to make me stronger or something. I don't know. <laughs> like you probably don't need anything, which is why you don't ask for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, regardless of any of that, once I had a client, uh, Spanish speaking client, um, I drive out to Harrisburg for this and it, for the, for uh, a hearing in front of a hearing officer. And the client, like I was like, we're here to, to make sure that the hearing officer understands you can't work because that's what you're telling me. Like you have this back problem and you can't work. And we're here to like talk about that and discuss. And like we ran through it all like with a translator in my office. And then at the hearing, <laughs> she's like, yeah, I think I could work. I think I could probably, if someone gave me a job, I would do it. So uh, I think I could work. Yeah. And like... <laughs> And afterwards, afterwards, I was like, like the translator for, from Social Security is there. And I'm like, excuse, like, can you help us? Like, I need to talk to my client after this hearing. Can you help me out here? Sometimes they, like, leave immediately. Sometimes they'll stick around. And the translator was like, yeah, sure, I'll help you out. And I was like, and I was like, all right, can you tell her that um, she totally fucked this up? She said the exact wrong thing. We're going to lose. We're going to have to appeal. And the translator starts telling her that. And then she starts crying. And I feel kind of bad. But then she starts saying some stuff back in Spanish and I'm like, all right, what's she saying? And she's saying, and the translator is like, well, she's saying that like, she knows that you don't think you're going to win, but she has faith in God and that God is going to like, God is going to do a miracle. And like, she has faith that God is going to help her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, and then the translator and her start like going back and forth in rapid Spanish. And I'm just like, just please include me. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. And the translator is, and the translator is like, <laughs> Um, yeah, I was just, we're, we're talking about like how Jesus is, how like Jesus is, 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 is the ultimate savior and like, he like, he'll save you and like, he'll, he'll be there for you. And I'm like, all right, great. Like, I'm trying to be professional. Like, I don't want, like, I'm trying to be professional here. I wish the translator would be professional. Like, I'm not trying to like turn this into like a Bible study session. So I'm just like, all right, well, tell her to like, call me when the denial comes in. <laughs> um, <laughs> They probably had no idea that you grew up in church. They I know. I was trying like, to stay out of it. You know, I was. I didn't. I didn't want to. Like, I was trying to be professional. They were probably like, That's "We so need funny. a Christian attorney." I know. They were probably like, they were probably seeing me as like the bad guy, like the Pharisee. <laughs> um. But here's the thing: she fucking wins. <laughs> I still don't know how. I can't. It's like it probably shouldn't have happened. It was her faith, Andrew. Don't That's say amazing. you don't know All how. right. Yeah. So <laughs> she, she told the disability judge, "Yeah, I could probably like work at McDonald's or some shit. I could probably do that." And she still won her disability. <laughs> yes. That was nobody but won. Jesus. All right. That was nobody thing, like, but Jesus. In this that, story, yeah. like I'm the bad. In the movie of her life, like I'm the bad guy. <laughs> like I'm I the bad it. lawyer who like yes. skeptical, doesn't believe in God. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this, um, Andrew, this 100% reads like a chick track. I come back to, I come back to that experience sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where that puts us or where to go no, from there. I, um, I don't know. I, I feel you on that. Like the, the deepest prayers I've ever prayed were at moments of my life where I was deeply depressed, clinically depressed, like 
mm-hmm. on on meds and just struggling to get up every day and and go to a job I hated um, and see anything of um, value in my in my present and in my future, you know, and mm-hmm. those prayers often were nothing more than me screaming and crying to God, just like take this dark feeling that is like sitting on me and in me away. It was not um, not particularly, um, you know, well composed or. Um, it was, it was like, it was very self-centered. Um, but also mm. like, I, 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 I felt crushed and yeah. I needed, I needed God on a very personal level. Mm-hmm. Um, and like those prayers were years worth of my, of my prayer life. Like that, like that was not a prayer that was like answered in the amount of time it took, it took me to have like, it took your, your client to have that hearing. <laughs> this was, <Right. laughs> this was very much a portion of my life where like, um, I don't know, like I needed that prayer answered immediately and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it went on and on and on and on. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and I think I learned that that was okay in part because of Andrew, just what you're saying. Like we actually see Jesus in anguish. Um, reaching his human limits and crying out to God. Like that is such mm-hmm. a useful illustration for the bond we have with God to get us through those moments that we actually have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about prayer, uh, you know, spontaneous and otherwise, I guess we we should probably explore this idea of just kind of spiritual disciplines mm-hmm. or structured disciplines in general. Yeah. I mean, Beth, you talked about how like you're not so into fasting Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I'll be honest with you, I don't really fast. I don't remember the last time I did it. I I um, I just get uh, it, maybe it would be helpful for me because like you get to a point where you're like, I don't know. I, I hear from secondhand experience that like you get to a point where you're like you're just really grouchy about being hungry, and then you push through that, and like it's like a you you get to the other side of it, and you can. You have you feel a connection to God. Never been able to get to the other side of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are grouchy when you haven't eaten. Oh we have God. experienced that it's on the true. podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Usually, usually I feel connected to God because I'm so mm. hungry that I have to keep on like focusing on Him. Right. So that's usually how it works out. Sure. But me. I mean, are there other practices that you guys? Are there other practices that you guys feel fulfill that function? Sometimes journaling for me is mm-hmm. like a prayer um, because I think I allow my journal to be like the most raw space for me. Like anything that I'm thinking, even if it's horrible, you know what I mean? Like I'll write it out and that's almost like my offering to God. Like mm-hmm. sometimes as I'm writing, um, it feels like the whole entry is a prayer. And sometimes certain parts that I mention um, remind me to pray to God about it. So I would say, like, journaling for me has been a spiritual discipline. Yeah, absolutely. I also kind of want to go back to your story about the woman. Okay. I think it kind of touches on something that's interesting with people of color, is that I think there's such a tradition of, like, connecting almost to magic that we've brought, that we've, like, 
mm-hmm. kept in our faith practices, but we deny how they're kind of rooted in ancestral ritual kind of magic practices. Mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed that with like brown Christians? Yeah, for sure. Can, I think. Yeah. Can I um, go ahead, Chris? Can I counter that just a little bit? I because I think the like the other thing that was important for me in that story, like Andrew talked about, like Bryn Mawr Christians, like affluence mm-hmm. definitely plays a role in like belief mm-hmm. uh, and like follow, and follow what you need to believe in. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like maybe, maybe thinking that like a win here is magical thinking, but the reality is, is for that woman, it's probably all she had. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, and yeah, that, I, I think it's a both and thing. Totally. Um, yeah, because when you don't have anything else, when you can't rely on anything else, that kind of appeals to God uh, might be all you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we have a tendency to think of like to think of of kind of transactional spirituality. We we look down on that. I mm-hmm. think, and I think maybe in our in, faith tradition, we do. In yeah, this present faith tradition, we do. Sure. My faith traditions growing up, um, it was a lot of like poor black folks. Mm-hmm. And like, depending on the miraculous nature of God was like at the core of everything. Yeah. yeah. I just also think about how, first of all, like Pentecostalism is the most popular expression of Christianity outside of the West, in South America, in Africa, in Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way people are worshiping. And I think it it's... I think you're onto something, Beth, when you talk about how like it does connect to the way that like brown people see the world mm-hmm. in terms of like the world is a weird place and there are all these spiritual forces at work and some of them are good and some mm-hmm. of them are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you need tools to fight them. And also like the way that spirituality expresses itself in your day to day life. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Mm-mm. Like, no. I think it's okay to see the world as being that weird. And I don't think like, and I think the world actually is that weird. Yeah. When you've yes, been oppressed absolutely. and you're open to mm-hmm. spiritual moving, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like you mentioned earlier with the Bryn Mawr Presbyterians that might have a lot of privilege. They haven't had to suffer in a way that opens them up to meeting God mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. this more, charismatic miraculous expression and that's okay that's not the god that they need but mm-hmm. you know how like parents are different depend like the way my parents parent me- parented me and the way they parented my older sister is completely different like mm-hmm. they parented us completely differently and i think a yeah. lot of parents do that because their children have different needs and i think that's the way god interacts with us mm-hmm. as jesus followers and as jesus followers of color you know what i yeah. mean like if you've really been down and out and all you had was faith in god that mm-hmm. actually does open you up to telling a judge, yeah, I could probably fucking work. And him being like, no, you can't. Let me still give you this disability. Like, uh-huh. like that type of being down in the, in the dirt is the only thing that could open you up. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I also would say that um, yeah. the fact that, like, Christian faith is that flexible, mm-hmm. I think is, is, a, is a plus. And the fact that, like, I mean, la- last episode I had, I had, like, asked you, like, you know, have you thought about, like, um <laughs> west african religion you know but and the thing that i think makes christianity compelling is that um 
I don't think at its heart Christianity is less weird than other expressions of faith. Not at no. all. Like we, in some ways, like you can sanitize it to be less weird. Mm-hmm. But the and way I think that a lot of white Americans have. Yeah, definitely. Um, Frederick Beekner says something like, "If you want to treat the Bible like the I Ching, just go ahead and do it." The I Ching is like a Eastern divination text that you use for fortune telling. Mm-hmm. He's just like it because it's not less weird than the I Ching, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so if that's what you need to do to like connect to God, just do it. And I really think it's just white supremacy that makes us feel like our ancestral traditions are demonic mm-hmm. compared to Christianity. Like I think that type of oh you can't do both or you can't um at all practice in the same way your ancestors would i just think that's making us feel bad about the traditions of our ancestors right Mm -hmm. you guys i'm thinking so much about like recent times where like i've been like having a meal with people who like spontaneously like made everybody at the table pray like or quote a scripture or something um, you know and like they're like we're in it like we're we're at the convention center at this convention for like justice topics it's a really diverse group of people but like and these these are people that are like part of our participatory defense family they're people i i deeply love and those like that like making everybody at the table pray is so uncomfortable until i think about mm-hmm. what you, what you two are saying like if so much of like my highfalutin self takes like takes for granted and and thinks thinks that that sort of like prayer life is a little sophomoric and and limited mm-hmm. um because it's it's so rooted in something much more magical and miraculous in its in its nature mm-hmm. you know like and it like this really has me reflecting on how much of like my dismissal has to do with my personal privilege and affluence like it's a really it's a really good exercise if Mm -hmm. if you're if you're in spaces where like you don't like the way people are praying um because maybe maybe they're asking for a miracle Mm -hmm. um maybe maybe your discipline in that moment is to um really ask why why that's so strange like and where that's yeah. coming from like i think yeah affluence affluence does mean that different christians pray differently and believe differently in the same mm-hmm. god there's a conviction here that i'm feeling that i like i want to sit with some more yeah no i connect to what you're saying chris because i sometimes i have that same immediate reaction mm-hmm. to people that believe in god that way like that's childish that's transactional that's that's whatever um so do we want to touch on the topics of other spiritual disciplines Yesterday we could barely stay on topic with prayer. Um, today with prayer, all we today did was like fifty minutes on prayer. Um, <laughs> no, but we could just, or we could just go. Okay, yeah. You want to wrap it up then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could just do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you feel like we got at an interesting topic of talking about how like people relate to prayer, especially people that have experienced oppression? Do you think that there was enough? Content yeah, I, th- about that? I, I definitely think there's mm-hmm. enough content in there. That, okay. that, that actually, that, you know what? Um, Can I actually uh, can I actually show you guys something? Maybe I can talk about this this way. Um, Is it your rosary beads that you went and explained to me? Oh no, I, d- I didn't. I didn't get the chance to do that. Oh but man! This is, um... You know, actually, 
let's let's complete that. Like we were talking about some of the some of the ways we pray now that are important to us. And Beth, you got to talk about journaling. Um, mm-hmm. I I would like the the prayer beats to make it into this episode. I'm I'm really interested. Okay, but I do. There's something else I want to show you guys if I could. Um, <laughs> okay. In, ad- in sure. addition to that, but let me let me. Well, yeah. I I mean the I, the practice of journaling or like I have an Anglican ro- like uh, rosary here. I just call them prayer beads because that's what they are. It's a it's like an it's an Anglican practice where you just pray the same prayer over and over again depending on which bead mm-hmm. you're touching. I usually I do it to center myself somehow. For instance, just repeating the Jesus prayer, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Or, you know, or repeating the Trisagion or something as a way to just, like, meditate to really enter a space. As somebody from North Philly's name. Yeah, Trisagion. Tri- they, their nickname is Trey. Uh, <laughs> the Trisagion is, is, uh, is, is um, it's a Orthodox prayer that's like, uh, holy God, holy and mighty, holy, immortal God, have mercy on us. Mm, um, okay. So, like, something simple like that. Um but I think this year of catastrophe has kind of made me realize what these like practices are for, mm-hmm. you know, like what the seasons are for or what these repetitive prayers are for mm. or what something like journaling or fasting might be for. When you don't have anything to say, you can at least hold on to this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that it makes me think about is, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to show this to you. It's a video of my grandparents. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. So my grandfather had a stroke um, about 10 years ago. Before then, he was like a really funny, really vibrant guy. He uh, is, um, he was like an Assemblies of God minister. So he pastors a church or he pastored a church in Queens, um, which was like an immigrant hub. And he did this for decades. Um, So let me, uh, if you guys can open up the video and I'll say, Okay, I have it pulled up. All right, press play. So the scene is in the morning when my grandparents get up and they're in the kitchen and they're going to do their devotionals together. So my, my grandma is pushing the hymn book over to him. He's like, over here. And um, so then my grandfather stops to tell my grandmother that like his feet hurt and he just keeps repeating that he's in pain and my grandma's pointing over to me to tell me how to do the kettle or something and she's like, all right, one more time here. She's trying to get him to go on the second verse. Yeah, I think he fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> 
寻找迷样，主，我愿向你，主，我愿向你，荣耀的救主。你别爱 milk 吧。She stops to ask me if I need milk for my coffee. 啊、At this point, he's fully, fully fallen asleep, and my grandma goes, "Why have you fallen asleep, Papa? Right now is not the time to sleep." Papa, wake up. All right, time to pray. And he says,、uh, "God, thank you for watching over us through the night and providing for us." At this point, he kind of mumbles, "God, please bless." In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. My grandma says, "Praise Jesus." So, I think about the fact that, like, they've been doing this, this kind of they've they've been getting up together and like reading the Bible and singing a hymn, like every single day,、um, for most of their lives. And my grandfather had had a stroke ten years ago, so that he's barely cogent at this point. Uh, a lot of what he says is just that he like something hurts,、um, and he tries his best to follow along with the hymn, and then he just falls asleep in the middle of it.、Mm. Like the but the fact that even that he can sing along with the hymn, or you like ask him to pray, and then he'll just kind of spontaneously start praying because it's just a reflex for him at this point.、Mm-hmm. I think like doing these spiritual practices to make them reflexes, so that like. You know, at at some point in your life, you are going to have catastrophe, or you、mm-hmm. are going to be disabled because、mm-hmm. you're going to be older. And at that point, like the only thing you'll have is like what you've been built, what you've been storing up all these things in yourself, these practices、mm. of connecting to God. Um, and I think about how like my grandfather has been storing up these practices of connecting to God for his entire life, and at this point, like it's not it's not even conscious anymore. He just reaches out to it, or my grandmother just like. Points to the hymn book, and they try to sing this thing together.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, when I think about the benefit of a spiritual practice, a lot of times that's what I think about.、Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's for that time when when it has to be a reflex,、mm-hmm. you know, when all you can say is "God, please," mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.、Uh, because you're not always going to want to. To say something beautiful,、mm-hmm. you know, like back but earlier in the year when we were in San Jose, like it was easy to pray. You know, <laughs> it was so easy to pray in San Jose. It was so、Jose. easy to pray. Yeah, it、mm-hmm. was so easy to pray. It was so easy to praise God. We've got like an entire podcast episode of, of us being in that in that feeling. <laughs> which was this time last year? <laughs> yeah, which was literally a year ago. Yeah.、Um, 
But um, that's not <laughs> I always. I thought about s- that Facebook post again. I know. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I made a f- <laughs> to our audience. I made a Facebook <laughs> Facebook post about a year ago. I think it was February third, twenty twenty, and it says, "I had such an amazing January twenty twenty. I can't re- wait to see the rest of what twenty twenty brings me." <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> Every time I think of that post, I get embarrassed. I'm like, what was I? If only I had like an inkling of what 2020 would bring us. But that's, I mean, crazy, Andrew. That's the point you're making. You you don't know. That's yeah. Like we're storing up for something we have yet to see. We've yet to see and yet right. to experience. Yeah. So, can we end it there? Absolutely. Yeah. I think cool. that was a good place. Um. All right. Cool. So let's close it out with, um, we like to end our podcast here by talking about whatever we're into this week. So Beth, do you want to kick us off? Yes. I found out via black Twitter that College Hill is on Hulu. College Hill is from the heyday of classic uh, MTV knockoffs, BET television. So College Hill was kind of like the real world, but it was a reality show of um, college students at HBCUs. The first season was at um, Southern University in Louisiana. um, And that was like a really good season. But the best season is the Virgin Islands episodes. Um, I think it's season four. And that's where Hulu starts the series is the Virgin Islands. So I am very very, very uh, excited to be watching College Hill again, because I haven't watched College Hill, I think, since my freshman year of college at a HBCU. So. Nice. Yeah, that's what I'm into. Sweet. Chris, what are you into? Um, one of the writers of Circle of Hope's Daily Prayer um, used some, some, um, of an, some words from an essay from James Baldwin, and it got me to thinking, I, I really haven't read that much James Baldwin. I've only read If Beale Street Could Talk. Mm. So I picked up um, The Fire Next Time. I was going to say that's my favorite. Wow. It's incredible. Um, it's an incredible book. Mm-hmm. Both 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 things I've read now by James Baldwin. Um, I, I, I don't know if you guys do this with authors, but there are a few authors I think about, like, ha- having as friends and... and James Baldwin for me is one of those people. Like I, I totally picture us like walking along a beach and hanging out, or like sitting across from each other, like smoking a pipe and just and enjoying each other's company, or maybe more me just enjoying his. Um, but he just I was about this, like, to say, Chris, you have that personality where everybody is your friend. Mm-hmm. You just know how to do that. So, <laughs> so maybe this I'm is not me, surprised but... that you feel like James Baldwin could be your friend. I just, I am. Um, he has such. A clarity and an honesty, mm-hmm. it's cutting. It's mm-hmm. absolutely devastating. So it's not like I can mm-hmm. pick up this book and even read more than a few pages at a time. But he's so sharp. He he is he he sees things and and phrases things so clearly and he just mm-hmm. he's got a beautiful soul. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. him. I just like He definitely did. I wish I had known him personally. Mm-hmm. I model my writing off of him. Yeah. I love the way he like compares day to day norms and nuances. Um, the way he like turns them into metaphors yes. is really unique. Like the way he describes um, things that you see on a day to day basis is really really unique. Yeah. 
Cool. Um, I'm excited for yours, Andrew. I am into. <laughs> did they always do this thing where they release Super Bowl commercials before the actual Super no, Bowl? No, the internet has not always thing? been a thing. No, they just started doing that over the last couple of years. All right, so this might be old news by the time this episode comes out, but I'm still into it. This is what I'm into this week. The Alexa commercial with Michael B. Jordan <laughs> as the Alexa. It begins with like this woman is like thinking about wondering if there could be a more perfect vessel for Alexa. I'm not trying to to advertise Amazon Alexa here uh, <laughs> because, as we know, Amazon is is not a great company. But this, uh, but but I so I don't stand Amazon, but I. But I'm coming dangerously close to standing Michael B. Jordan. No, this is a Michael B. Jordan vehicle. That's the bottom line here. Um, just like Michael B. Jordan when she's like, Alexa, dim the lights. And he starts taking off his shirt and the lights dim. And the husband is like, no, no, Alexa, don't dim the lights. <laughs> uh, my, favorite one, my favorite one is when she walks up real close to him and says, mm-hmm. Alexa, put bath oil on my uh, grocery list. And her husband goes, Alexa. Don't do that. <laughs> that's my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. So that's what I'm into this week. Michael B. Jordan specifically yeah. in that Super Bowl commercial. It's very uh, funny. Yeah. So special thanks to Luke Bartolomeo, our communications manager, and to Jared Selby, who does our theme song. And we are always excited to hear from you all out there. Um, So let us know what you think about our episodes and how you're following your faith in Jesus and trying to be Mm anti-racist. It's really hard. So I think we can only do it in community. So go to our website, um, Mm colorcorrectionpodcast.com. That's the website, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And drop us a line and let us know what you think about the episodes and how you're following Jesus and being anti-racist because we want to know. Uh, can I add and something? With, yes. Tell us where you're. Tell us where you're sending that email from. Yeah, especially if you don't know us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we know you, yeah. don't bother. But if we don't know you, please write in and let us please. know where you're writing from. So, with that being said, stay black, Little Mermaid. typing that fast there's never a time when we ever need to be doing anything that requires that kind of typing but every time we record i hear him typing fast as shit like kermit the frog (laughs) what like kermit the frog that's your point of reference first of all i am honored to be compared to the frog himself (laughs) much like kermit the frog i keep all y'all together (laughs) that is a fact and i'm very anxious about it kermit the frog is my spirit animal holy cow <laughs> Wait. I aspire to be Fozzie Bear, but I am Kermit the Frog. <laughs> I feel like I might be Gonzo. What do you all think? Oh yeah. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> definitely... You're definitely weird enough to be Gonzo. I say that in a I am like hardcore. I'm hardcore Miss Piggy with the <laughs> attitude yeah, and the makeup too. and like just like gathering people when they need to be gathered. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hardcore Miss Piggy. I love her. I stand. That's exactly who we all are. Yo.